Views expressed here are not supported by and do not reflect those of the Evening Rush Network. Viewer's discretion is advised. Hello, hello, and good evening. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. This is Stacy, and this is Stacy Talks Money Podcast. Um, my Instagram is Stacy Talks Money Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share uh, on the Evening Rush Network. The number to call in is 929-282-0266. Support with Cash App, Stacy Talks Money. Uh, this evening, I'm going to be speaking about the proper steps to set up your business. These are just my steps that I think are the best, you know, for anyone to start up their business. You know, because if you do the proper steps, you should ensure that your business would run smoothly, as smooth as possible. So the first thing you're going to do is apply for your tax identification number through the IRS.gov's website. Uh, some people, they choose to get um, their business formation first, but it's really up to you. You can do either or. But I always suggest people to uh, get the tax ID first and get, you know, get that out of the way. And once you go to the IRS.gov, you're going to get your tax identification number. And then the next step would be to set up your business formation. So when it comes to your business formation, you're going to have to choose the best formation that you think uh, would be the most effective for your business. Um, are you going to choose an LLC? Are you going to do an S-Corp? Are you going to do a C-Corp? Are you going to do a partnership? And it really all depends on... It really all depends on, you know, what kind of business you're going to have. But most people, they definitely... Um, start with an LLC first. And then once the LLC generates some money, some capital within anywhere from let's say three to six months, then that person would then change the LLC to an S Corp or C Corp or a partnership or whatever other um, formation you choose to put the LLC in. But that's the best route to go. Because sometimes if you just jump right into let's say an S Corp, it, it, it doesn't make sense. It kind of makes sense to build up with the LLC. It's like the baby steps. You build up with the LLC, get some equity, get some capital, build your business credit. And then within six, uh, three to six months, you should transfer over to S Corp or C, so C Corp. Sorry. Then the next step you should do is um, you should have a business plan. A business plan basically is just kind of like a timeline for your business. And the business plan basically would just outline the concept of your business, the what problem you're solving with your business. Uh, you know, if you're having a health, uh, let's say you're going to open up a health food restaurant or a store or a smoothie bar, you're going to just outline, you know, the reasons you're wanting to start this business and how you feel it's going to benefit your community. That's basically what the business plan is, just kind of formulating everything for the business, the, the timeline, how you think it, the business will grow. 
uh, what funding you think you're going to need for the business, um, whether you're going to use your own personal savings or if you plan to uh, get l business loans or, you know, you plan to uh, get investors or you, if you plan to get friends or family to invest in your business. Basically, these are the things that you would outline within the business plan. Just basically, you're going to just show the steps. Okay, I'm going to start this smoothie bar. Uh, these are the first steps. I'm going to maybe look for investors or I'm going to ask friends or family. Then when I get that capital, the next step most likely would be to get the necessary licenses for that particular business. If you're going to have, let's say, a smoothie bar, you're going to need to know building permits, licenses. There's different, you know, you're going to have to get food handlers, you know, so those things you're going to have to definitely get in order to start that business. So basically the business plan, they just want to know the steps that you're going to take and they want to make sure when you write in the business plan that you're taking the appropriate steps. Also within the business plan, you have to show uh, projected uh, growth for the business. Usually they want to see anywhere from a two to a five-year growth projection for the business. So basically that just means you're going to list all the expenses associated that you feel are going to come with that business. And you just have to show, okay, the first year my expenses are going to be this. My second year, my expenses should be this. And the second year, my profit should be this also. You should just show the, how you feel the business is going to grow. It's not going to be an exact amount or an exact figure. You're just kind of showing, okay, if I start this kind of business, I feel the, my growth will project either the second year, the third year, the fourth year, or the fifth year. Basically, that's all the business plan is. You just want to show how you feel it's going to project over the next few years uh, for this business, particular business. So basically, you're going to have to list like um, if you're going to have a store front, you're going to have to list how much you feel the rent is going to be. Uh, most times they tell you when you're doing a business plan to kind of even check in your area and just see like the roundabout how much you know businesses pay for rent so you could kind of give a roundabout figure when you're doing your plan so you could say okay let's say the rent is going to be 2500 for the month so you're going to put that in your business plan rent is 2500 utilities for the business would be another let's say thousand dollars then you also have to include if you're going to have employees you know, this is just an estimate. You're going to give like a rough estimate. Okay, I'm going to have three employees and, you know, roughly how much you feel you're going to pay them. So, you know, all of these things is basically you're, you're writing down a budget for the business and they just want to see, you know, how much you're going to, how much you plan to bring in, how much is going out for the business. And it kind of has to add up. Because if you say uh, your rent is twenty five hundred, the utilities are another thousand. Let's say payroll for the week is just let's say another thousand, but you're only bringing in a thousand a week in the business. It kind of it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. So you have to kind of make things to look like the business will flow. And it's also good for you to know when you're having that business, okay, you know, if my rent is this, if I have employees, it's that, if I have to pay for certain insurances or supplies, you have, and you have to break down everything to the penny. If you have a smoothie business, you're going to have to break it down to how much ingredients cost to the ounce. You're going to have to break it down to how much the little cups cost, the straws cost, everything. You have to break down all the costs for everything, all the ingredients, all the supplies you're going to need. You have to really know these prices down to the penny 
for your business because it will only help you in the long run. You know, at least when you know, okay, I'm going to need a thousand dollars for supplies every month. So you have to know, okay, I have to make enough to cover a thousand dollars for supplies. I have to cover payroll every week or every month. I have to cover rent for the spot. I have to cover utilities. So it will also help you to see that, okay, I need to budget out a certain amount if I'm going to have this business or you can also see how much it's going to cost you to run that business for that month. And I think that helps a lot of people to get a better vision of how the business will really run. Because I think a lot of people, when they get businesses and they realize all the costs associated with it, if they did not do a business plan, they're kind of surprised or shocked. But if you already, if you do the business plan, it will kind of give you like, okay, this would be my rough estimate of what I'm going to spend per month with this business. Then the next step should be to have a website, whether you have a free one or you have someone build one for you. Uh, I always suggest people um, in the beginning, you could just get a free website, um, make sure it's with your business name, just a free website. When you know the business grows, then you can always get another um, site, you know, let somebody build it for you the way you want. But you could definitely start out with a, um, one of those free sites. Uh, also, it's also necessary to get a virtual address. And the reason why a lot of people question, you know, why should they get a virtual address? And the virtual address basically just means that you're showing your business is separate from you. And you don't want to put your, especially your LLC, you don't want to put it in your business, in your home address. Because that means when they're verifying or anyone's looking up the business, your home address is going to be on everything. And when you're applying to bank accounts, when you're applying for loans, different things, you have to show there's a difference. You can't have everything with your home address. You have to have a virtual address so it can show, okay, I have a virtual address or I have an office space for my business. That's how they look at it. So it's just, it's always best that you have a virtual address for your business where you can separate um, you know, your person. And also if people are looking up the business, you don't want your home address all over because basically when people are looking up the business, your home address is going to come up all the time. So you wouldn't want your home address linked to that. And also when it comes to um, taxes and different things, you can claim certain credits so you could kind of show there's a difference. So that's why the virtual address is important because there's this uh, credit you can claim called the Augusta rule where you can rent out your home or a space to a business for up to uh, 14 days per year. So if you have a virtual address, they wouldn't know it's your business. That's another reason that people do that. So it's very beneficial to have a virtual address for your business. Um, and also mail wise, you know, you could have like the virtual address. A lot of these uh, companies were virtual addresses you have a location when you where you can go and pick up your mail or you can get packages there so it alleviates everything coming to your home also you should have a 1-800 number for your business it just looks better you know when you have a 1-800 number and you could attach it to you know you could forward it to another number but you should really have like a dedicated 800 number 855 number connected to your business. It just looks more professional, you know, when you have that 800 number or 855 or 866, you know, just a number showing that this is for your business. 
Also, you should list your business with Google and 411. And I suggest to people you list it with Google, 411, Yellow Pages. I know people may not uh, use the Yellow Pages like that, but list it also with the Yellow Pages and uh, 411. Basically, that just means when you list your business with all of these different search engines, when either banks or uh, sometimes when you apply for grants or different things, they uh, look up your business and they want to see, you know, your uh, social media presence. They want to see your internet presence. So they want to be able to see when they Google your business name, what comes up or how many other businesses might even have that name too. That's another reason why you should really list because sometimes you could have another, you know, your another business could have your name. So it's always best you um, list your business with uh, Google, 411, Yellow Pages, Yelp. Um, that's it for now, yeah. Uh, Google, 411, Yelp, Yellow Pages, list it. It's better. You get better chances with your business when you list it online and you build up that uh, internet presence. Also, you should set up what is called a NAV account. And NAV is spelled N-A-V. So you just go to www.nav.com and you set up a NAV account. And with the NAV account, they have what's called a business booster. And with the business booster, um, they will monitor uh, your they will monitor your business. They will make suggestions for your business um, when you start building your business credit. Um, and what you could do is you could get a regular NAV account. And if you get a business booster combined, that will also boost and you'll build your credit even faster that way. When you get two, you get a regular NAV account and then you get a NAV business booster. Then the next step for you, or some people could do this step before, you get what's called a DUNS number. Dunn's number is short for Dunn's and Bradstreet. And when you get a Dunn's and Bradstreet number, that is basically the, I call it the social security number for your business. You need a Dunn's number when you're applying for what they call vendor accounts or trade lines. They are going to ask for your Dunn's number. When you apply for your Dunn's number, it's a nine digit number. And when you apply for it, when you're actually on the phone with them, first you have to do an online profile. And when you're on the phone actually applying with um, them for your DUNS number, they verify with the Secretary of State that you have your business uh, formation, whether it's LLC, escort, partnership, trust, they verify. And if you do not have something verified with the Secretary of State, they will not give you a DUNS number. So I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, I applied for a DUNS number. They're, they're thinking it's their personal credit. I said no, because when they have you on the phone, they check the secretary of state and they also check your internet presence to ver in order to verify you, um, to give you the DUNS number. So you have to, you have to, you have to set up your, your LLC or whatever business formation in order to get the DUNS number because you will not get it without that. Then the next step, um, or you could do this step also after you get the tax ID. You can get a business bank account. And when you get a business bank account, I suggest 
that you should have at least two to four accounts. I would say two online banks and two banks where you can go, actually go into a branch. Uh, when you're applying for your business bank account, you should never put that you're the owner. It's always best if you put that you're the manager, the CEO, you can even put that you're the assistant when you're applying for your business bank account because they look at all of these things before they open up um, before they open up an account for you. And also when you're applying for your business bank account, you should have, uh, you should not apply with uh, any email address that has Yahoo, Gmail, AOL at the end, because in their eyes, that's not a legitimate company. You should have um, info at theboutique.com. That's how your email should look. It should always look professional.com or info at whatever your business is.com or .net. You have to have to do that. It's very important. Sometimes people get sometimes people get denied for um, bank accounts because of that. Because in their eyes, you know, you shouldn't have a Yahoo, you shouldn't have a Gmail, you shouldn't have a AOL, you should have a legitimate uh, business email address. Like, you know, I always use Macy's or Target, you know, it's info at, let's just say target.com or info at me, you know, that just means it's legit. So always try to have, uh, you could go to GoDaddy or you can go to other internet providers and get, um, even through uh, Google, uh, Google, you could get um, your business email address through Google also. And then the next step would be to set up your point of sale. And when I say point of sale, you have to have some kind of processing uh, service for payments, uh, whether it's uh, Square, now with Square, you can actually, um, there's no need for the actual machine, but some people still like to have the Square machine. You can actually set up Square on your phone and people can tap and make payments. Um, I have Square on my phone um, for my cosmetics line. So when I go to events, people just tap my phone and I accept the payments and the money is available right away. They even give you um, a card for Square. So the money is automatically on that card. The minute you get a payment, it's on the card right away. It's very convenient. It's very easy. It's very accessible. You know, I would suggest everyone get that when you're just starting out. Sign up for the Square and you can download it. If you have an Android or you have an iPhone, you just download the app and you'll be able to take payments right on your phone. Very convenient, very easy. You could also set up a PayPal account uh, PayPal also now has a, a reader machine and uh, with PayPal also you can, uh, they have it set up where you could either tap the phone or they actually give you a little reader machine that you could uh, take with you. So PayPal is good too. Uh, Stripe is another good company. Um, also some uh, certain banks will give you uh, your own uh, reader machine that you can take. Uh, I know Chase gives you one too. Chase offers that. If you're a Chase customer and you have a business account, you should ask them for uh, merchant services and they should be able to direct you um, for you to be able to get a, a reader uh, so you could make um, you know purchases on the go. Now, the next step 
after you did all of those steps, the next step would be for you to apply for what they call uh, net 30 accounts or vendor accounts. To start off, you should have at least five, I would say you should start out with five and then gradually you should have about 10. And what you're gonna do is when you start having these net 30 accounts, and when I say net 30 accounts, these are companies that will allow you to buy goods or and or services, and you get to pay it back within 30 days. So what you're gonna do is um, when you sign up with these companies, there's different companies. There's uh, Quill. They mostly have like a, like kind of office supplies. You could get everything there: paper, a printer. You could get things for your house, household stuff. Uh, you could go to Quill. Staples also has a, a net. Um, I believe it's net twenty now. You have to pay it back within twenty days. But they have an, a, a business account. Um, Uline. Uh, Uline is another company. Uh, Amazon has a net 55. They call it is a net 55. But with Amazon, they're kind of really picky. So you have to really have your business set up properly to get the Amazon um, net 55 account. Um, but there's so many other companies. There's a lot of new companies, uh, Crown Office Supplies. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. There's so many. Even Ikea has a business account um, through Ikea. You can get a, a business account. You know, you can furnish your furnish your home or your apartment and build your business credit through Ikea. But with Ikea, you there's an application that they have. So if anyone wants the application, you can reach out to me because I have it. So you could just email me at stacytalksmoney um, at gmail.com if you want the Ikea application because I have it. So once you start off and you have at least five to 10 net 30 accounts, the next step would be for you to apply for, and this should be around three to six months, I would say you would start to apply for gas cards in your business name. And also when you have your net 30 accounts, you should try to pay it back at least uh, 10 days before the due date, just because, you know, you want to show them that I'm responsible with my business. I'm responsible with my bills. So please try to pay the, um, the net 30 accounts back early. If not 10 days, try to make it the least, I would say, three to four days before the due date. Never wait until the due date because a lot of companies, they take a long time to post the payment. So you just want to make sure you get your payment in there early enough that they'll get your payment and they'll post it for you. And then it will show that, you know, you made your payment on time for the company. And then once you start with the gas cards, uh, BP has a... Uh, a good gas card program. They have two different programs. They have a regular gas card program and they also have a secured where you can get a secured gas card. And with the secured gas card, you would pay, let's say the limit is 200. You would pay that secured 200 and you would build it up and pay it back on time. And then after a while, they give you back the funds. I'm not sure if it's six months or a year, but you do get back the funds. And that's also another option um, if you want to build your business credit the quickest, I suggest you try to get um, gas cards. Whether it's a, if you don't qualify for a regular gas card, they have the secured program. And BP has a, a secured program 
for the gas cars. And I actually have a gentleman who works in that department. So if anyone needs that um, information, you could just reach out to me and I will definitely um, give it to you because uh, he was very helpful in the process. Um, you can email me, stacytalksmoney at gmail.com if you need that um, for the gas cards. And then the next step would be after you get the gas cards, you should start applying for some secured business credit cards or you should start applying for some secured loans for your business just to build up your credit you know, just starting out your business credit, you know, a lot of people are not, a lot of banks or a lot of organizations are not going to be so free to lend you money. But if you start with a secured, you could do like a secured credit card for, let's say, two or 300 to start. Or if you can, you put more money. And just like with your personal, you pay the secured card back at least 15 days before the due date. And then you make another, uh, payment at least uh, three to four days before the due date. Um, so just make sure when you're paying back your bills, especially for your business, you're paying it back, you know, quicker than your personal, because you just want to always make sure that you're on the up and up. So you're going to get secured business credit cards. Uh, I know Wells Fargo off the top of my head, Wells Fargo has a secured business uh, credit card. That is very good. Uh, I'm not sure if they have a secured loan, business loans. I would have to check that out, but I know for sure they have the credit card. Um, I've helped a few clients to get that. They do have the secured credit card. Um, also, if you can, uh, it would be good that you set up with credit unions because credit unions, um, when it comes to small businesses, they're more willing to like give you funds and give you access to certain things, especially if you want to get a car in your business name. You, I would suggest you go through a credit union. Um, you know, once you set up your business, you have your DUNS number, you have your Paydex score. Also, uh, your DUNS number will help you generate the Paydex score. And when you have your Paydex score, that's your basically your credit score for the business. Your Paydex score should be anywhere from 80 to 100 to be considered a good credit risk for your business. So you always make sure when you have, and when you have the NAV account, they will monitor your um, Paydex score and they will give you monthly updates for your Paydex score if when you have your NAV account. So that's why I say the NAV account is very good and beneficial because that's where you can keep up with your um with your uh, paydex score and they will actually show you every month your paydex score and they will show you if any um your trade lines and they will show you if there's anything derogatory with your business on um with the paydex score and also they connect with uh experian business uh experian has a separate um part for your business so um, you could also get your business report, just like how you could get your personal report. You could get your business Experian report. You could Google it, um, Experian business report. And that's another report for your business. So it's just like with your personal, but it's just for your business um, where they report any trade lines. They report any uh, uh, credit cards, any loans, anything going on with your business financially wise would be on that report. 
And you want to make sure, um, especially with these net 30 accounts, net 60 accounts, you pay them back on time and you make frequent purchases um, with them just to keep the credit going. And you want to show them that, you know, I want this credit. I want to build a credit. You make small purchases every month, at least uh, I would say 30 to uh, $50 a month for minimum, you know, just purchase small items and, you know, build it up. And a lot of these um, net 30 accounts, they do give you a generous amount in the beginning that you can use. Uh, there's a company called Shirtsy, and they mostly do uh, like promotional stuff for your business. You could print uh, shirts, you could print, uh, I think they've added like mugs, they've added like backpacks, you can do sneakers, you can do jackets, you know, you could just do a lot of things um, for your business as far as printing and promotion wise, but they do take kind of long. Uh, if you place an order with them, it takes about a month. Uh, the first time I ordered with them, it took about a month and a half. So their processing time is very slow. I'm not sure why, um, but it is very slow. So just know if you do purchase from that site that you're going to wait at least a month, a month and a half uh, for your products. Okay, so just be aware of that. Um, and then the next step would be after you apply for a secured business credit credit cards, you apply for secured um, loans. Then the next step would to, for you would be to just apply for regular um, business credit cards, regular loans, apply for grants. I keep telling people there's so many grants out there. The grant money is free. You know, you just have to have your business set up properly, but apply for these grants. There's so many grants out there. There's so much money out there for people. You just have to apply. And when you apply for the grants, you have to have your business set up um, properly. That's the only thing with the grants. You have to have your LLC. You have to have your LLC and your business formation. So we're gonna jump into a quick break. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's your girl, Chrissy, here to let you know that the Even Rush Network now has an app. Yes, an app, you guys. So you can stay connected on the go and watch all your favorite podcast shows. You can download the app at Google Play Store or Apple iTunes. So spread the word. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Also, if you're looking to start a podcast and really don't know how, well, hit us up at the Even Rush Network at gmail.com and inquire about time slots, pricings, and everything you may need to get started. We got you. Join the winning team, the Even Rush Network. And also, download that app. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Get to it. All right. All right. That was a quick little break and we're back. So the last thing I was talking about is, uh, you know, getting regular cards for your business, regular um, credit cards, getting, you know, loans and stuff for your business. You know, it's really important when you have your business, you have to just build that business credit because once you build the business credit, everything else is, you know, secondary. It's important. It's crucial. You have to build that business credit. Or if you're not, if you feel like you want to go another route as far as funding for your business, you can um, go to, there's a lot of community organizations where if you have collateral, they can give you uh, loans. There's a lot of micro grants. Um, you know, you just have to have collateral in order to get the loan. And when I say collateral, 
meaning uh, you may have a credit score of, let's say, like six, early six, like maybe 620, 650, 650, and you may have collateral. And collateral, you may have a car, um, you may have a computer, you may have a camera, you know, anything of value, you can also put that up when you're applying for any kind of money. You can use collateral, especially if your credit score is on the lower side. Your credit score is like the minimum for some programs. Your credit score can be, let's say, 550. They'll take someone with like a minimum of 550. I've actually helped helped a client and their credit score was like 575 and they were able to get a loan, but they also had collateral. They actually put their car as collateral. So, you know, because the car was paid for already. So they used their car and they used that as collateral with their credit score. And they were also in the process of building their credit. So that's also an option. Um, there's a lot of organizations where, you know, they'll take you with a little less credit, especially credit unions. That's why I tell people try to apply with credit unions, uh, depending on where you live. Uh, I know here in New York, uh, we have MCU. I know there's a lot of more, there's a lot more uh, credit unions, but I have MCU. And to me, it's pretty good, especially um, as far as loans and uh, business accounts. They're very, very good. They, It's easier to lend when you're a part of a credit union. So definitely check out credit unions. Uh, Navy Federal is pretty good. Uh, this is a list. Like I have a list. If anyone wants a list of uh, banks and credit unions, I could definitely send that to you because there's so many. Um, I'm just, you know, off the top of my head, I know MCU and I use MCU and I have Navy Federal also is very, very good. Um, if you want to get loans uh, with Navy Federal, if you want to build your credit, your personal credit fast with Navy Federal, they have uh, secured credit cards. They have two secure credit cards. They have a MasterCard and a Visa. And I suggest you get both and put the limit is, uh, I believe, 5000 Either three or 5000 you can put on those credit cards. And if you can, put the maximum limit and you'll see your credit just jump so high. When I rebuilt my credit last year with Navy Federal, like I just rebuilt all of my personal credit. I started from scratch. I had the two Navy Federal cards. I had the Visa, the MasterCard. Then I also have a TD Bank secured card. And I just rebuilt my credit. Also, I have a Capital One secured credit card. And I just rebuilt, rebuilt my credit. Also, a lot of people aren't aware that Amazon has a secured credit card too. I also have an Amazon secure card. So with the Amazon secure card, also um, with the on-time payments, it turns over to a regular Amazon credit card. And a lot of people are surprised that Amazon has a secure credit card. Yes, Amazon has a secure credit card. For everyone who loves to shop on Amazon, it makes sense. You're shopping on Amazon, you use the card, and you're building your credit. That's what I do. I shop on Amazon, I buy things for personal, I buy things for my business and I use my Amazon card and it's helping to build, um, you know, my credit. And um, by me doing that, my credit score, actually, when I did all of these things, my credit score went up 86 points one, um, one month in 
last year, around July. 86 points by me doing all of these things, having these secure cards. Also, I pay my credit cards anywhere from two to four times a month. I usually pay 15 days before, and then I pay three to four days right before the due date. Um, but what I do with Navy Federal, I pay actually every week with Navy Federal. I make sure I pay every week because I get paid every week. So I pay my Navy Federal credit card every single week. So yeah, I make a payment every week and you know, I'm trying to just build in the credit quicker. And also, you know, I just pay it and get it out the way. I try not to leave a balance with my cards, especially with your business credit cards. Do not leave a big balance and do not pay the minimum with your business credit cards. When you have your business credit cards, do not, I repeat, do not pay the minimum. You should pay at least two to three times the finance charge on your business credit card. Never, never, any card, whether business or personal, you should never pay the um, minimum amount. Because if you pay the minimum amount for that card, you'll be paying it for 20 years, literally. That's why it's always best. If you have a balance on your card, pay it off. With my um, Navy Federal, if the balance is $1,000, I pay that balance off. I try not to leave anything. It just looks better when you're building your credit. You know, you just pay things off if you can. Or you stick within a, a, a credit range that you can afford. If you're going to get a secured card, don't jump for 500 if you know you can't afford that. Maybe start off with 300 So at least you know, okay, when you have this $300 limit, I can pay it off easy and I can pay everything off at one time. And never leave a balance because you really never pay that card off. If you have a $300 balance on your credit card, you should be able, every time you make a payment, you could pay that balance off, bring it back to the 300 start fresh every month. That That's what I suggest to people, whether it's your personal or your business, you should never, 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 never leave a balance on your credit card. It just, you just always feel like you're in a rut and you always feel like you're, you know, you feel like, okay, I made a payment of $50, but in all actuality, they're only paying, let's say 25. Half of the money is really only going. So your balance never really goes down. But if you have a limit of 300 on a credit card and every time you make a payment, you pay the full balance, you pay the full 300, you start fresh every month and you should really only pay, use, I would say you should really only use about 10% on your credit cards. I know a lot of times, you know, financial people tell you, you could use 30%. No, I don't agree with that. I agree with 10%. If you have a credit card limit and it's um, 500 with the 30%, you'll be paying like 150. But what I do in my card, if it's five hundred, I only use, I use no more than fifty dollars. If you have a credit card limit that's a thousand, the thirty percent would be about uh, two fifty around there. I'm just giving you an estimate. No, I think you should only use fifty dollars per card. Use a small, you know, small balance every month. Because once you start using that card and maxing it out, and then you go over the limit, that hurts your credit so bad. So I always tell people, if you have a $1,000 credit limit, never use it up to the $1,000. Unless if you plan to pay it off the next month, then you can use it. That's why I say 
use it responsibly. If you know how you have a thousand dollar credit limit on that credit card and you know every time you use it, if you use it to the max of the thousand, you're able to pay it off the next month or just don't use it to the thousand unless it's an emergency. You should not um, max out your cards or you should not use it to the available credit limit. They give you a credit limit, but it doesn't mean you should really charge it to that amount. You should always show that you're responsible with your credit and leave some kind of room. You know, it doesn't look good if you're hard and every month you only have 10 to $15 available on the credit because you're constantly holding a balance and it, it just doesn't look good. And that's how the credit card companies or people who want to loan you money, that's how they look at it. You know, you're always carrying a balance. You're not able to keep up with your bills. That's how they, they pretty much look at it from that point of view. So whenever you have a credit card or even if you have a loan, I suggest if you have a whether a secured loan or a business loan, uh, whatever the payment is for the loan, always double up. If your payment is $50 a month for that loan, you always double up to 100 if you can. It, it just it looks better for you and it helps you pay off the loan faster. Uh, you know, if you have a loan, you should not say, oh, I have two years to pay off the loan and stretch it out to the two years. I would suggest you do not do that. Um, if you can pay off the loan in six months, even better for you. Pay the loan off. Your credit would, would boost, would jump your business credit or your personal credit. The quicker you pay off your credit and your debt, the better off for you. Not because they tell you you have two years to pay your loan. You should take the two years. You should not. Honestly, you should not pay, take that two years to pay back that money. The sooner, the better when it comes to your credit and paying it off because you just don't want these things like they haunt you. I always tell people these things, they haunt you. Like when everyone had student loans, I've never had student loans, but I know it's something that it, it haunts a lot of people. It has, you know, this recurring bill, you're always worried about it and then the money keeps growing. You know, you just wanna cut down on your bills and your expenses. And especially if you're trying to start a business, I always tell people you have to get your budget in order with your personal finances before you start a business. You have to get yourself on a budget. You have to budget out down to the penny. You have to know where every dollar goes and you have to know when every dollar comes in. It always surprises me when I sit with a client, I meet with a client and the first thing I say to them is, how much do you make? They tell me, they say, okay, I make, oh, I make 60000 a year. Okay. How much do you take home every week or every two weeks? I have no idea. The money comes in and I spend it. I have no idea. No. You should know every dollar that comes in and every dollar that goes out. Every day every day. And I want people to start um, putting themselves on a budget. I want you to every day write down, get a little notebook or even in your phone. Every day for a week, I want you to um, write down or put in your phone what you spend, whether it's your transportation, putting gas in your car, just jot down your expenses for the day, every day for a full Sunday. Or let's say do it Sunday to Saturday. 
So starting Sunday coming, you're going to do for the full week. Sunday, you're going to stop at Saturday. And I just want you to look because it's not until you look at what you're spending, you realize how much money you're really spending. We just swipe our cards and you forget about it. No, you need to write down. You need to see what you're spending. And I always tell people, you spend money every day. You should make money every day. That's how you have to look at it. You spend money every day. You should make money every single day. It doesn't make sense. You're waiting every two weeks to get money. That's why people live paycheck to paycheck. That's the whole point of paycheck to paycheck because you're only getting money every two weeks. And think about it. You can't get money every two weeks. You spend money every single day. I want every, even tomorrow, start it tomorrow. Write down every single thing that you buy or you pay for, even if it comes out automatically from your bank account. I want everyone to jot it down. Actually start from tomorrow. Start from tomorrow and then you'll end it. Um, start from tomorrow and then end it Monday night. And when I come back next Tuesday, you know, if anyone wants to call in or send me a message, tell me how it went. I want you to track every single thing that you buy, everything that you spend money on, anything that comes out of your bank accounts, whether it's your personal or your business, because you have to just see what you're really spending your money on. And also, I want people to start using cash more than your card. If you say, okay, I'm only going to spend $20 a day, you take the $20 out, you put it in an envelope, you put Wednesday, you put it in an envelope, you put Thursday, you put Friday, you know, you just put it, you say, all right, I'm only spending $20 per day. I'm only spending $40. Also, if you start cash stuffing, you'll also see that you can manage your money better too. You can cash stuff for your business. I'm going to do a show about that, cash stuffing for personal and cash stuffing for your business. And when you cash stuff, you'll see that, okay, I could either save or I've been spending too much on this or I'm spending too much on that. You have to budget out. You have to put that money in an envelope and say, okay, I'm only spending $20 a day or I'm only spending $5 a day. And see if you can stay within that budget and you'll see you can actually save money. Because if you know you only have that $20 to spend, you're going to be very cautious about what you buy. Because you're going to say, wait a minute, all I have is $20 to spend today. That's it. No more. But when we have our cards, we spend away. But if you know every day, let's just say you have 20, you have whatever amount you're going to limit yourself to for that day. What you're going to do is you're going to only spend what's in that envelope. I want everyone to get some envelopes and every day, let's just say, you could put whatever amount you want, but I'm just saying, you can say, all right, let me start out with $20. This is just cash that you're gonna spend for the day or $30 or $40. And you're gonna see that every day, either that $20 is gonna last you and you'll have some for the next day, or you're gonna see that that 20 is not lasting you the whole day. And then you're going to start to think, well, what did I spend that this $20 can't even last me for one day or whatever amount you have? It's not going to last you. And I'm I'm pretty sure most people are going to see that whatever amount they put in that envelope, it's not going to last them every day. 
it's not gonna last them every day. I'm a hundred percent sure that it's not gonna last them every day. I want everybody to do that challenge. You can start off with 20, 30, whatever amount you want to do, but get an envelope. You can get the envelopes tomorrow, or you can start Thursday, or you can start tomorrow, whichever one. Get a pack of envelopes. It's only like a dollar, two dollars. Get a pack of envelopes. Put every day of the week on the envelope. Put the money in the envelope. You only spend what's in that envelope. I want everybody to do that. Just spend what's in that envelope. Also, another thing that I have done personally myself, no spend day. And when I say no spend day, that means you can go a whole day without spending a dollar, nothing. You should be able to go a whole day. I did, the most I did was a month, no spend. I literally did not spend any money for a whole month. Now, when I say not spending any money, aside of me spending for um, transportation and necessary bills that have to be paid, otherwise, I did not spend a dime for one whole month. I should have really recorded it. I don't know why I didn't. I should have recorded it for a whole month. And the funny thing is for that whole month, I went out. I went to events. But you know what I did? I went to events where they had food, they had drinks, so I didn't have to spend on food. I went to a lot of events in that one month. Because I looked for events that were free. All right. This event is free. Oh, they're going to have food. Oh, they may have drinks. I went to it. I went to a lot of things that were free. I took my lunch to work every single day. The only thing I paid for was transportation. My job has a coffee machine. And you know what I used to do? I used to bring ice from my house. In a little thermal thing, I would bring ice and I would make, because I like iced coffee, and I would use the machine on my job, make the coffee, and I would have my iced coffee. So I didn't have to spend on coffee. Usually I would go to either Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. I did not have to spend. And also my job, they have snacks. So if I felt hungry in the day, I would use the snacks. And I did that. Surprisingly, I did that for a whole entire month. I did not spend anything aside from bills that I had to pay and transportation. And if I was going anywhere or to an event, I made sure it was somewhere where it's either walking distance from where I live or I could still use my, you know, Metro card and travel there. And the event was free. And that's what I did. And that month, I actually went to like five events. I went to all free events. That's what I did. And I want everybody else to try it. Do a no spend for one day. Do a no spend two days. Do a no spend for a week. I know it's going to be hard, especially if you have kids and things. I'm not going to say do not spend if you have an emergency, but just try it. Do a no spend for one day and just see how it goes. Only spend for your transportation. Bring your lunch to work. No shopping, no buying anything unless it's necessary. Okay, we're in February now. You could try to do no spend for March. Buy up all your necessaries this month. 
you buy your toiletries, you buy your, as women, you buy your feminine stuff, you buy it up this month. So next month, you don't have to buy anything. Make sure everything is stopped and try to no spend. Try no spend for a day, try no spend a week, try no spend for two weeks, even try no spend for a month, you know, try it, try it. I, I honestly, I couldn't believe it. I did it for a whole month. I did not spend a dime, a, nothing. I did not spend any money for a whole month, a whole month. I'm going to try and do no spend for two months and document it. That's going to be my next challenge for myself. I'm going to do no spend for two months and document it. All right. So I want everybody to try that. We're going to talk about cash stuffing um, in some future shows. I'm going to do cash stuffing. I'm going to do uh, for your business and cash stuffing for your um, personal we're going to do no spend. We're going to talk about um, the different methods that people use uh, for saving and budgeting. Uh, next week's show, I will talk about um, if you want to invest in a franchise. A lot of people find it, you know, it's more beneficial to just invest the money in a franchise or they build up the capital and they invest in a franchise because the franchise is ready-made. The business is ready-made for you. You just invest in the franchise. They help you with marketing. They help you with finding the spot, the location, whatever the business is. And a lot of people are opting now towards franchising than opting to just start their own business from the ground up. So that that's an option a lot of people should look into. Um, if they want a business, definitely look into franchising. And I'm going to speak about that. Um, that will be the topic for next week, franchising. Uh, your options, how much money you're going to need, how to get the capital for a franchise. Um, so I'm going to talk about that um, next week. So if anyone has any questions, definitely reach out to me, Stacy Talks Money at Gmail. You can also follow my Instagram under um, Stacy Talks Money Podcast. Uh, if you want to call up the show, it's 929-282-0266. Cash at me if you feel like being generous. You can cash at me at Stacy Talks Money. Definitely, we take donations here. You know, I like... Um, they actually opened up a Starbucks across the street from my job. So I've been kind of hesitant. I haven't gone there yet, but, you know, I like my little Starbucks here and there, you know, only once a week. If I do get Starbucks, I try to limit myself. All right. So any questions, any comments anybody may have, definitely reach out to me. You can email me at uh, Stacy Talks Money on Gmail. You guys know it's tax season, so after I do my show, I will be logging in to help all of these eager people do their taxes for the tax season. I'm gonna um, my shift starts at um, 8:30, so I'll be doing 8:30 till 12. So when I'm not doing this podcast, that's what I'm doing. I do every evening. I, I start about anywhere from 7, 6.30 to 7. And I usually work until 11, 30, 12. 
And then on the weekends, I usually do from like 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. I do a whole day on the weekends. So that's what consumes most of my time. But if, you know, if anyone wants coaching or they need help with something, they want to they have help, need help with their bookkeeping, you can definitely send me a message and I will try to, uh, you know, fit you in best I can. But, you know, my time is limited, but I still try and definitely after the tax season, I have more, more time. So if it's something that's not pressing right now and you could wait until, you know, after tax season, definitely I'm going to start taking on more clients. But right now I'm really not taking any clients, new clients unless, you know, but I'm really trying not to because um, my time is so limited. Plus, I also have my cosmetics line. I'm actually doing an event um, on Saturday. My cosmetics line is uh, the Jill Collection. It's a vegan cosmetics line I'm going to be introducing. Um, right now I'm just doing cosmetics and then I'm going to introduce some um, skincare in March. I already um, have the line ready. I'm going to have skincare for men and skincare for women. And then I'm also going to start um, having hair extensions also. So I'm expanding that. I'm just trying to keep busy, you know, and I'm still trying to make time for my podcast to talk about money, budgeting, how to grow your business, how to get grants, how to get loans, how to just, you know, I want everybody to set up their business properly, maintain the business properly, you know, and get this business and get these businesses going, get some money. I want everybody to be a millionaire by the end of the year. That's my goal to be a millionaire, you know, speak it into existence, be a millionaire by the end of the year, the end of 2024, it's possible if you work hard. It can be done. So next week I will be speaking about franchising. I'm gonna speak about, um, you know, the different franchising options, uh, how much, um, you know, you're gonna need to do franchising, um, you know, what's the best options to get the capital if you want to franchise. A lot of people, when it comes to franchises, they kind of just um, use their personal money. And some people, what they do is they build up their business credit and they get loans and then they build up the funds that way for like six months to a year. And then they apply for the franchise. That's another option. But a lot of people, you know, when they want to get this franchise started, they just pour their personal money into it. And um, a lot of these uh, franchises, they're pretty expensive. You know, some start, uh, you can start some franchises for the minimum of, I've seen two to 5,000. And some go as far as up to a couple hundred thousand. And this is money that you have to invest if you want to have a part of that franchise. Like I believe Dunkin' Donuts franchise it's a very expensive. I think it's like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand to get started if you want a franchise. But I'm gonna do my research before next week and get the exact figures. But I know Dunkin' Donuts is pretty expensive. I think Starbucks is like a million dollars, I think, or close to. So you know, franchises are expensive, but they're also beneficial in the long run. If you just want a ready-made business, you just invest in a franchise and you have support, you have marketing. You know, you always have somebody there to support you and help you out. So that's what we'll be speaking about next week. Reach out, 
you have any questions for me, if you need help with anything, if you need vendors list, um, just reach out, stacytalksmoney at gmail. And make sure you watch the replay of this show tomorrow at 9 a.m. All right, the show replays tomorrow at 9 a.m. Follow me on Instagram, Stacy Talks Money Podcast. Send me a message. Uh, you could also donate to my cash app, Stacy Talks Money. All right, so until next time, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for liking. Thank you for sharing the show. I appreciate all the likes, the shares, the people who send me messages on Instagram, people who send me emails. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. This is Stacy Talks Money Podcast.